0: Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. All of the stuff that a lot of what, you know, Mainstream Christianity plugs you in to try to go get from God. You already have, and you already are. So the so so the, the effort is in renewing your mind and living out of the power of that which was already in you, right? And so most of what we talk about is going to be that. Uh, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to that eternal aspect of who you are. I'm preaching to the spirit man on the inside of you so that it... Listens and begins to then take over the rest of your being in your life, right? We pray with our spirit, we think with our hearts, but we need to renew our minds. And as we renew our minds, that power that is within us strengthens us, which is grace to live this life. So we talk about so in this series, we've been talking about faith, talking about walking by faith, faith. You know, if you're if you're new or maybe you haven't. Um, You know, been listening to all these messages. We're in the middle, kind of working our way to the end of a series we call Faith and Hope. Faith is trust. Faith is not a power that you use to get stuff from God. Are you with me? Faith is not what you do to get God to respond to you. Faith is a response to God's character. Faith doesn't say, I'm going to go to God And my boldness of faith is going to convince him to then move on my behalf. That's not faith. Faith goes to the Father and looks at him and says, Oh, my goodness, as I behold you, I become like you. You are holy. Therefore, your holiness I desire to be reflected through me. You are righteous, my God and King. I desire for that righteousness to live within. I don't even want to touch sin. When I behold you, Father, when I worship you, Jesus, when I... Hold you as the precious treasure of my heart. I don't want sin to creep in. I don't want to live in that stuff. And I'm sorry that I ever touched it. And then, so in that also, too, I look at you, Father, and you are, you self proclaimed, are my provider. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're my counselor. You're my guide. You are my wisdom. So anything that you feel like you need from God, the proper action of faith is to behold him, recognize him, honor him, and worship him in that area, and you become like him. You become provided for. You become wise. You already are in your spirit, but then it affects the rest of your being. All that to say, quit going to God and ask him for stuff because he's already given it to you. Have a relationship with him, yeah, but, but honor and worship him for who he is. And it's just one of those spiritual laws that works and that law being, as you behold him, you become like him. You're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And, you know, I mean, I say, we say these things all the time, but it's just encapsulating everything that we've been talking about. So out of that, to live by faith, to walk by faith and not by sight, we want to live in this balance of, of uh, what God wants for you and what God wants from you. So let me get y'all involved here in a minute. What does God want for you? And distinguish it from what he wants from you. What does God want for you? Peace. Peace. Health. 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 Prosperity. prosperity. Watch out. Y'all going to sound like one of them prosperity churches. <laughs> Peace, health, prosperity, prosperity. What else? Life Freedom. Life more abundantly. joy. Joy. Yeah. And so then what does God want from you? Belief. It's louder. Relationship. 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 What? Intimacy. Intimacy. What else? Trust. Trust. Did somebody say obedience? I think or Yeah, absolutely. Obedience. He demands that. He commands it from us. Right. But in a, can I say this? Yeah. In a way that we walk. It's a fruit. We walk with him. And right. So yeah. Obedience is not, oh, my goodness, I am scared to death of what God might do to me. I better do the right thing. That's not obedience. Obedience is, man, you telling me that I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ? I'm already whole and healed because of your spirit living on the inside of me? I need to change my mind. I need to renew how I'm thinking so that I start to live in the, what you've already done on the inside of me. You know, that, that's obedience. Obedience is to course correct based on your place in him not to get closer to him. So all of that, and I'm, I'm just going to walk through this quickly. This is, this is the passage. So here, here's, the, here's the picture that I saw about this message for today and really kind of this pursuit of um, walking by faith and not by sight. And the, the picture is this, a dark room, assembly hall, dark world outside, whatever. It's dark, right? Can't see anything. And and just kind of follow me in this picture. And then imagine a a candle. I I, I envision it in one of those little candle dishes. (laughs) And, and, And so you're in the dark, but you have a candle. And so you need to get out of the darkness and you don't know which way to go. But as you hold that candle up and you move the candle around, you see, okay, this is the direction to go here. And then you start to notice there's other little lights around, there's other candles, and as the other people, you guys all start to find each other with each other's candles, the unity of those candles together illuminates the world even. That's the picture that I see. So that can translate and be applied in a lot of different ways, but I'm seeing it as what Jesus taught in Mark 4, the parable of the sower, A candle is not to be put underneath a chair or the table or bed. A candle is to be put up so that it can do its job. And he likens the candle to the seed of the kingdom in your heart and the degree, the measure you meet to it. So in other words, I see the candle is this. It's the word of God. It's the kingdom in your heart. To what degree... Are you holding that candle out there to let it illuminate the world around you? So you've got your life to live, right? You've got your relationships. You've got your finances to deal with. You've got dreams, visions, callings, passions, spiritual assignments, all of that stuff that we're trying to sort through. What step do I take, Lord? What do I do? That candle is the word of God. And I see us in our hearts and in the world around us using the word to illuminate the next step. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, right? So you got a decision to make. What does the word say about it? What's God's logic about this area? How does God think about this? Do I even know what God says about this specific area of life that I need to be illuminated because I'm confused and I don't know what step to take here and I don't know what to do. You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're stuck, you're hurt, whatever, and you don't know exactly what to do. What does the word say about that area of life? And are you committed to believing it above your own rationality and your own understanding? Are you committed to being in agreement with how God thinks about an area of life more than your understanding of it, no matter how experienced you are in it? Are you with me? That's repentance. Repentance is life, me, this is what the word says, I have to replace everything that I think to be in alignment with how God thinks about this. And as you do that, you then experience kingdom life. As you live in the way of his logic and in the way of his instruction and his standards, this world is designed to produce things into it, and the kingdom is affecting it. And when you live uprightly, when you live in agreement with the word of God, the kingdom manifests. It's just how it happens. And you don't know exactly how to control it. You, in fact, you can't control it. Your only responsibility is to keep your mind and your heart in alignment with his word, illuminate your next step with that step, and, and this is massively important you have to step into what his word illuminates. Step into what his logic illuminates. Even if it contradicts everything that makes sense to you, especially if it contradicts what you're thinking, if the word is this, you must go that direction. And I promise you, you will experience kingdom fruit in whatever that capacity is, in whatever area that is. And he, and he teaches this. I think this is what he's saying in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, and this is the new living. He says, he says trust in the Lord with all your heart. The heart is mentioned 800-something times, more than faith, more than love. The heart is massively important. You, and, and by the way, you get a new heart. You don't. Your heart as a born-again believer is not that, old, twisted, wicked heart that Jeremiah talks about. Your heart is that heart that David prayed for. Lord God, create in me a new heart. Your heart is the promise of the new covenant, that God would remove that body of flesh out of you, put his spirit, and give you a new heart. Your heart now defines what and who you are, and what and who you are is now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your heart knows how to follow him. So I'm not saying follow your heart. Follow God. Just make sure your heart is tuned to God. Are you with me? Now, you follow God from the heart, but make sure that how you hear and how you think in the deepest part of who you are is in agreement with how God would lead you, his logic. So trust God with all your heart. And this is, there's so much, in it. I, could, I could talk about just this one passage for two hours, but so, and lean not to your own understanding. Now, this is not an invitation to be ignorant. This is not an invitation into blind faith. What this is, is an invitation into the way of life. This is, a, this is a lifeline out of your carnal thinking into spiritual thinking. Don't think about it the way that your trauma dictates to you. Don't think about it in terms of how your success in this life dictates to you. Don't think about it in terms of what that YouTuber does or says, or what the church has done to you, or what the economy's doing, or who's in president, who's the president right now. <laughs> Ooh, that's a landmine. I'm just going to keep going here. <laughs> <That's> cool, <Brian. laughs> Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now, I personally don't see this as cause and effect. I don't see this as I'm going to acknowledge him and then he's going to go, oh, look at there, they acknowledged me, so now I'm going to lead them. That's not what's happening. He's not waiting for you to acknowledge him to try to lead you, but as you acknowledge him, you find the path that he is leading you upon. Do, Do you see the difference? So he's not waiting to do something based on your action, but when you acknowledge him, it's a tuning, it's a repentance, and you rec- it's like I've got a candle underneath the bed, and I don't know where to go, and I'm bumping into all the walls. Why don't I take this candle and light it? Oh, Wow, that, you're telling me that door was there the whole time? That's acknowledging him and your paths being directed by him. I think that sets the tone for everything he's about to teach in Mark 4, and I'm just going to read straight through it. And everybody said, "Yeah, right." (laughs) So, quickly acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Acknowledge is this. It's the Greek word. uh, I think it's yade. It's not yada. It's not yada yada yada. Yada, yada, yada. (laughs) Acknowledge is to know and to make yourself known, to declare and reveal oneself. So, acknowledge is to know and to make yourself known. In acknowledging God to find that path upon which he is guiding you, you make yourself known to God, which means that confession, confession process, exposing your heart to him. You know, when you sit down and you're quiet and all that stuff starts to rise up that causes you to feel ashamed and embarrassed and guilty and all that kind of stuff, you got to sit there in his presence in full awareness that he sees all of that and that itself is the pathway to healing as you're acknowledging him you got to be willing to acknowledge all that stuff in you to let it out to let it be healed to be exposed to the light to be sanitized out of there that's what it means that when you confess your sins to him he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness you are righteous but your soul gets a little bit dirty in this earth and when you confess to him confession is not Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Yes, thank you for asking. Here's your forgiveness. That's not it. Confession is, oh, it hurts. It's painful. I'm a little afraid, but here I am, Lord. I'm going to expose my heart to you. And, he, and then you find that he has love for you in that. And then experiencing his love in your failure breaks the power of that thing that drives you into that behavior yes. and holding on to that past and holding on to that fear. Are you with me? But you got to let him in. Acknowledging him is to know, but to make yourself known. Acknowledge him, and your paths will be directed by him. And then he goes through this parable. And maybe we'll go through it in more detail, but this is Jesus in, in Mark 4. Oh, let's see, how much of this? What time we got here? Y'all good? I know we've got a meeting here after this. I'm just going to read through the first part. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on. Would you follow me through on this one, please, sir? Uh, Was facing the sea. Go ahead. Just keep going unless I ask you to stop. So then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teachings, Listen, say, listen. Behold, say behold. All right, a sower went out to sow. As it happened, he sowed, some fell by the wayside, birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on strong stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang, I hadn't finished yet, man, come on, go back. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. He's like, well, you told me to go. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell; some seed fell on thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30, some 60, some hundredfold. And he said to them, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is massive, the mass he teaches this to. But then when he was alone, those around him, uh, with the 12 asked about the parable. And he said to them, this is so interesting to me, and to me, and he says this, of this parable, he says, if, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand anything that I teach? It's like the most important parable to understand. And we make it about behavior and performance, not about the heart. It's about the heart. It's about the receptivity of your heart, your inner being, to the word of God. Determines the degree of the kingdom that you experience. The receptivity, the receptiveness of your heart, determines the degree of the kingdom that you experience in this life. Faith goes after God to believe everything that He says about Himself. And it works for you, but not for you. And but you got to wait. It's all. Up. That's not what's happening. God has given all believers all the kingdom to experience all of it, all the time. And this is what makes the difference. And this is a hard, mature truth that every believer must take responsibility for. Three of the kingdom. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may... And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How sowing the word? And sowing the word is not, you're just sitting down and reading the Bible. Sowing the word is, okay, I'm living in this darkness but God says this about sexual purity or finances or relationships or calling. Sowing the word says that is something that I'm regularly engaged or I'm desiring and I admit that that's something that's not healthy, but I can't stop. Sowing the word is, Lord, I need some help here. What does your word say about me in this area? And I'm going to actually trust that you can empower me in the face of this thing to break its power. That's true freedom. Sowing the word is not just reading the Bible. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word and hold it on this one that was sown in there. So that's the whole context of all of it. The word is sown in the heart. The heart is massively important. We're going to talk more about it next week but the heart is the new you. God, that's the part that God remakes. He puts his spirit in you, which causes your spirit to come back to life, and then this heart is the conduit now that you're connected to God through. Your heart and the condition of it or the receptivity of it determines how much of you're going to experience of what God's already put on the inside of you. Are you with me? The heart is the soil within which the kingdom manifests into your life. Next verse. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time after. You, you ever known anybody like that? Have you ever been like this? It's like, well, you know, I hear the word, I'm excited. And then it's the but for a time afterward. But when tribulation or persecution arises, tribulation meaning, well, I prayed, man, I thought this was supposed to work. I prayed and I've been believing this and it's not working. Trib- pressure. Tribulation is pressure, external pressure from the world. Tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake and immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones among thorns. I think this is where most of us live here, actually. Thorns where they are ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. Now, again, talking about the heart, receiving the word, the word being the kingdom within you. He always likens word, faith, kingdom all together. The deceitfulness, so why am I not experiencing your blessings and promises and answered prayers, God? Why am I not, why am I constantly stuck in this state? Why am I this? Why am I that? Why aren't you this? I've done this and it's not working. Why? This is why. You still love me? (laughs) Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Leave it there for just a second. Go back, if you would, please. All that stuff chokes the Word, and it, it the Word, becomes unfruitful. That's our problem. We allow this stuff to choke the Word, and it becomes unfruitful. And then what do we do? We blame God. We come up with all these doctrines about sovereignty and timing and waiting and all this stuff, and that's never taught. In terms of how God relates to us. We got some work to do, and that is to make sure our hearts and minds are softened to God's logic, how God thinks, and that we are taking the time to ruminate on it. Let's keep going because he says something here. These are the ones on good ground. This is also us. I'm not just saying your old thorny heart, you. I'm, you know, you got some good say. Say I'm good soil. Amen. Amen. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit. Some thirty, some sixty, some 100 fold. Also, he said to them, and this is the part that I was, that I think is the picture for this message: is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. So, so he teaches about the kingdom grows in your heart and how. Resp- Receptive your heart is to the word determines what you're going to let yourself experience. The kingdom is, it's like this ever-present realm of unlimited potential. And the degree to which you're open to it and are in agreement with it, it will manifest into your life. You're not trying to go into heaven and get God to come in and do something. You're trying to get into harmony with him. You're trying to resonate with him to experience that which he's trying to do in your life. The kingdom is like a gentleman. It must be uh, invited. It must be collaborated with through faith, not through effort or force, not through behavior or your own righteousness, through faith, through agreement. And so this idea of the kingdom is like the kingdom's in there, but I need a lamp to illuminate it so I can see and I know where to go. A lamp is brought to be put under a basket or under a bread, question mark. Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Next verse. For there's nothing hidden which will not be revealed. God's not keeping you in the dark. You got that candle. You got that word. You have the spirit on the inside of you. Hold it up. Nor has anything been kept secret, but that should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, we'll make this the last one. Then he said, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is talking about the degree to which we value the Word of God on the inside of us. How receptive, how dependent, how rooted the Word of God is on the inside of us. The, The measure that you meet. So take heed what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. Now, you can see this as a cause and effect thing if you want to, but I see it more as it's something that you experience that is already trying to grow into your life. Are, do, you, do you understand the difference in that? It's the same thing with uh, acknowledge him and your paths will be led. The degree and intention and thought and meditation and repentance to get your mind in alignment with God and commitment to who He is. You know, it takes a lot of faith to, when you're broke, believe that God is your provider and wants to bless you to be a blessing, especially if you're holding on to the emotional fallout of your debt in this world. It takes a lot to believe that you are healed when your body is screaming disease and sickness and death but yet true repentance says, no, I'm, I am forgiven. The blood of Christ has cleansed me, and forgiveness comes with healing. By his stripes, I am healed. Uh, and, and this one, something happened to you in your past, and it still hurts, and it's affecting every decision that you make. And people say, let it go, but you can't just let it go. You've got to reprogram everything on the inside of you to trust that the Spirit of God brings healing. So many of us are holding on to the hurts of the past and not anything necessarily that was an injustice done to you, but just sometimes pain and loss. And it's it's defined how we see God. And at an other-than-conscious level, it affects our decision-making. That's the part where you need to expose yourself to God to be healed by it. And the way that you're healed by it is you experience who he's made you to be in that area. And forgiveness has a lot to do with that. You've been hurt. You've got pain. You've got loss. Whatever it is, those, that stuff is thorny, Choking word stuff also. Acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Expose your heart to him. Know him. Let him do that deep work on the inside of your mind and your soul because he's already done it in your spirit. Let it affect you. The degree to which you're committed to his kingdom on the inside of you changing you, it's everything. It's absolutely everything. May your heart be open to Him. May the eyes of your heart be fully fixed on Him and and you be willing to make whatever decision you need to make about yourself. And so then what will happen is as you open your heart to Him, it's like holding up that candle. You then got to step into that space that's lit up. In other words, you got to be willing to make a different decision in the face of that temptation because the, the grace, the power will be there. you got to be willing to step out and bring that word. you got to be willing to pray for that person. you got to be willing to feel something different than you, what you normally let yourself feel. you got to be willing to let the Spirit of God. And it's not just a thing where God's going to do something out of your control. Sometimes you got to push that emotion back. you got to push that thought back. You bring your thoughts captive. You align them with who God says I am. This is who God says I am. This is what God's done for me. This is who Christ is. This is what he wants for me. This is the expectation. This is what I can have. This is what I can do until it starts to actually change how you feel even about the situation, which will then affect the decisions that you make. But it's everything to do with the measure that you meet to the word will be measured back to you. If you just give the word lip service or you just read it or you just listen to it, but you don't really, you're not really committed to applying it, welcome to general world Christianity where most people never change. Most people never change. Most Christians never change. They clean a few things up, and then they just kind of tuck their little sin over here and kind of play with it every now and then. But you don't have to do that. It can be completely broken. You can be completely free from the pain and the loss and the hurt. You can be completely free from debt cycles. You know, money's just made up. It's just made up. But yet, almost every decision we make is touched by money. And it's just made up. It do, it's not even real. I mean, there's assets with value that we agree upon, but now our monetary system, it's a joke. It's not even real. If you get enough people together and they agree upon a new currency, there's a new currency. I mean, you see it in crypto, you know, which is very interesting to me. And, and I say that I'm not trying to wrap. I'm just saying quit being so affected by something that's just made up. God, imagine if you disconnected money from God's provision. Because a lot of times we think, okay, God's provision for me means he's going to give me some money. And money's part of it, but it's just such a low-level aspect of it. The provision of God is for a greater purpose than for you to have some assets or some Emotional security in the context of a world system, a man-made construct. You know, the fact that you have something or you don't have something in the context of a man-made construct, money, and that affects you, how you feel about life and God, man, I'm talking to me too. Are you with me? I mean, we've got to break out of the mindset of all this worldly stuff because he says the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word. Riches deceive you two ways. One, you think you can't do anything until you get some, and then you get some, and you feel like that's your security. Very deceptive to have money because then you become reliant on it. You start fighting to keep it. Be careful. Be careful the measure you meet in your heart, because you can sow all kinds of things into your heart. Make sure we're sowing the Word. Make sure we're renewing our minds. Make sure our priorities are affected by kingdom principle. We put God first. We put His desires for us, what He wants for us and what He wants from us first, and we're seeking those things. We're seeking to find out what is it God that you desire for me and from me in the situations accordingly. Go go read Mark 4 this week. (laughs) And and just think about it. And you can apply this. It's the difference submitted to your own efforts. It it just is. Not trying to make some empty promise. Not trying to say sow a seed and then you get this blessed. It's like, no, the seed has been sown into you. The kingdom is trying to grow in your life. It's in there. All of it. In full. You lack nothing. How much are you going to let it grow? The measure you meet will be measured to you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you that your kingdom is not elusive. Your kingdom is not far away. It's in us. Just say that the kingdom of the living God is is in me and I am in his kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for our hearts to be open to you. We're committed to your word. We're committed to trusting you. We're committed to stepping into the light of grace, to be empowered and strengthened by you. Father, everybody in this room, everybody listening and watching now or after, I thank you, Ed, that their hearts are wide open to you, that we have the boldness and the courage to expose, to be exposed to you and we know that by nature, you're a healer. So you're not seeking to condemn us about the darkness that's in there. You're seeking to heal it, and remove it, and help us experience the life of the kingdom so that we can be testimonies to your righteousness, so that you, you will be glorified in our lives. And you are glorified when we experience your promises. You're glorified when we experience your blessings. And in adversity, where we're being persecuted and there's legitimate suffering, for the name of the Lord, you're glorified when we are patient and endure for your name's sake. So Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word and we're committed to it. We want to be mature, full-grown Christians, mm-hmm. living in the expectation of your transformative word inside of us, displaying righteousness, and as our brothers, and Asbury, just to even taking their example, which we talk about here all the time, to experience your love for us so that we would pour out that love. If we wanna, if we wanna impact culture, and I, I've been thinking about this, and I'm sorry for going a little bit long, but this is what I've been thinking. We're not gonna shape culture with the right legislation, with politics. We should have good laws and good legislation and all that kind of stuff in place that's worth fighting those fights, but it's not gonna change people's hearts. Here's how we shape culture. Christians love one another. And by our love for one another, they know that we follow Jesus. And that then, as we unify in our love for one another, John 17, Jesus prays it himself that the world would see that we are one with each other, the whole body of Christ on this planet, and it would compel the world to believe that God sent Jesus for them too. Well, you want to change culture, get busy loving each other because the world is out there starving for it. That's where you see all this perverse sexual stuff, all of this, all this wrecking and, and trying to dismantle God's design, right? You see all that. People are just looking for love. I mean, there is absolute evil and darkness in some of that stuff, and people are just, some people are just going to pursue that. But in general, people are looking for love. They're looking for a place to fit and belong. And if they see that in Christians toward one another and then toward them, not permissive or accepting of the behavior. Are you with me? That's how we'll shape culture. It just is. Loving one another. Amen.